Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Uh, as the time goes in the podcast world, just got the bit first big team preview out uh, just moments ago, and we are already sitting down to record the second podcast. Uh, probably won't have this one out till a little bit mid late in the week, but uh, that's three quick podcasts. We're banging out here pretty quick, aren't we? We're doing pretty good here, Kurt. Yeah, and I got to say, the addition of the fan commentary has been a good one so far. I think that was a home run in the first episode. Nice. Yeah, those were four good ones. We got some good ones dialed up for this one as well. I've got all but one uh, recorded for for this podcast, so I'll obviously introduce them as we we get going. And, and again, so I don't have to do this for each one. Um, we are loving them. Um, and again, what Kurt and I were thinking is, we are obviously going to give our the, our best as we can do it Switzerland thought process for each one of these teams. Uh, this podcast will be Wisconsin, Michigan State, Nebraska, and the Hoosiers. Um, uh, but what we like to do with the fan podcast is, hey, we gave our point of view, but we're not a fan of said team. You go ahead and give what you think the expectations are. And I think so far, everybody's doing a great job. I'm just excited that we already have four Big Ten champs this year. Who knows how many more we'll get? It's it's going to be an all-time first. Let's just say, if I took the advice of every fan, super fan, there'd be a lot of overbets uh, that would have to happen. And, I, you know, I, I'm not huge on math, but the mathematics typically doesn't work out if you bet over for each one of the teams in the Big Ten. Yep. No. Not, but not that's that. all right. Hope springs eternal in the middle of August, and that's where we're at. So let's go ahead and jump into the first team of this podcast, the 2023 Wisconsin Badgers. Shout out to my guy, Super Crawl. Awesome follow on Twitter. Awesome dude with good information. Last five years, 38 and 22. That's a 63% winning percentage. Good for six in the Big Ten. Last year, eight and five. But as Wisconsin's athletic director and many of their fans thought, that was not good enough. Out goes Paul Christ. We thought Jimmy Leon Hard was going to be the guy. But something was in the mix, and they were sitting on a big one. And that is Luke Fickle via Ohio State, via Cincinnati, in for his first season for the Badgers. Offensive coordinator is a much ballyhooed offensive coordinator, Phil Longo. We will get into that. Uh, defensive coordinator, Mike Trussell, uh, uh, somebody that's familiar to the Big Ten. Anyways, Big Kurt, what are we thinking about the Badgers, these suddenly very interesting Badgers? Yeah, I like to take a contradictory stance a lot of times on things. And of course, Fickle was the media darling the coaching darling of the offseason, but so is Longo and Trestle. They've got they've got you know very very high standing amongst the the media types, and so I kind of was pushing back a little bit, like let's pump the brakes on this. But I gotta say, the deeper I dig here on this team, the the more I'm starting to drink the Cardinal Kool Aid. Really? Okay, I did not yeah. know that. So uh, yeah, so you've you've weaved you've weaved a little bit here. 
I, I don't know about we've I'm just the, the needle is pushing further towards the good side that that I than my initial thought. My my initial reaction versus okay, the, the dust is settling. Let's really take a close look on at this, not emotional look at it, just a you know, a, a data centric look. And yeah, starting okay. to see it, man. Yeah, I mean, usually the uh, when I dig in, you know, it's with the personnel and get a better feel from the personnel going through the data that we have. Good again, shout out to Pick Six Previews, Athlon, Lindy's for me, and then very and then the insiders. Um, I I would still say this. Uh, they're typically speaking, when there is a gigantic philosophical change, and you could go from one direction or the other, right? Yeah, I feel like you typically get a feast or famine feel, you know, that you get from that. Um, and my my thing that I keep saying over and over again, I've said it on other podcasts, so I might as well say it on our podcast. I, I just don't know, even after going through the deep dives, I just don't know how anybody can feel extremely confident that this is going to be a great Wisconsin team or extremely confident that this is going to be a disaster with the change. I just don't know how anybody can be that, you know, uh, confident on what they think this is going to be because there are so many new variables at play here. That is not to say that Luke Feckle and Wisconsin can't be great the first year out. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm surprised when you go across all the magazines that I just named, a lot of other prognosticators, we're at about a 90% clip of them picking Wisconsin to win the division Right. I get that Wisconsin is the default setting. I'm just surprised how high the percentage is for people picking Wisconsin. Yeah, and I don't know that it's as drastic of a change. Like everyone wants to say, oh, air raid, air raid. I, it, they do run tempo. They do spread it out more than what they're used to doing. But it's a it, from if you look at what Longo's done, it's a good mix of run and pass. It's not a this his offenses haven't been pass heavy offenses. So I think. It may end up looking more like Wisconsin than a lot of people expect. So I guess as good a time as any to jump into the offense. We got somewhere around seven returning starters from last year's last year's numbers. Not great. Total offense, 363 yards per game. That's 90th in the country. Scoring offense, 26.3 points per game. That was 78th in the country. Not really anybody huge as far as people that were losing off of the offense last year. In fact, there's a quarterback no longer on the roster that no Wisconsin fans wanted to see come back. Anyways, um, completely different philosophy over from Paul Chris, but I hear you there like Phil Longo, all of the Wisconsin players, the people, the the fans and the media picked up on it too, which is we are not completely going away from running the ball. What they do keep saying over and over again, that they want the position that they want to put themselves in is to not be up against so many eight and nine man boxes. Uh, something that Braylon Allen, Braylon Allen and Che Louis had to fight through last year on the offensive line as well. That is the message that is out there. We want to get these guys into space because we have good running backs that we want to utilize. There's no doubt in my mind that is going to be a main goal of, of Phil Longo. Yeah, so the offense is 33rd in the country at returning production. So that's already looking pretty good. Addition by subtraction, losing Mertz. But then not only do you you peel Mertz off, but you're you're adding a really deep quarterback room here and a talented quarterback in Tanner Mordecai. And, And then you bring in a bevy of transfers, too. 
almost all on the offensive side of the ball. They have more weapons than they've had in the past. They've got what looks to be a pretty, pretty experienced offensive line, too. There's just not a whole lot of negatives that I see on the offensive side of the ball right now. Um, maybe yeah, not so much negatives. So, but I have a couple. Let's wait and see, you know, type of deal with, with this offense. Um, starting with Tanner Mordecai, uh, his, uh, coming over from SMU. You know, ironically, didn't we? I thought we even maybe commented on Tanner Mordecai a year ago or two years ago on the podcast. I think maybe a Big Ten mm. team played SMU. Maybe it was Maryland. If I'm going off the top of my head, um, seventy-six to twenty-three touchdown to interception ratio that he brings mm-hmm. over now here's the thing okay all right picking nets right I, I i it happens sometimes but against power five ranked and bowl teams okay do that again power five teams ranked teams that uh-huh. could be a group of five or a bowl his numbers drop to 14 and 13 14 touchdowns to 13 interceptions and if my math is correct one in seven in those games now, I'm not going to put all of that on Tanner Mordecai, right? It's it, I quarterback's the most important position, but this is a team game. I'm just saying this is going to be a gigantic step up in weekly defensive coordinator skill rate, okay? Tanner Mordecai did not look good in the spring game. I get it. It's a spring game. The early reports in camp is that there's been – a little bit of issues, okay, a little bit loose with the football. That will not win games in the Big Ten. And my guy, Super Crawl, he agrees with me. that That is a something to keep your eye on type of deal with Mordecai okay. in the offense. The, the biggest single question mark that I have offensively in my notes is can Tanner Mordecai protect the ball? If he can, I think this could be an outstanding offense. Absolutely. And because I definitely have confidence in Longo, and it sounds like you do too. Yeah. Um, the only th- issue is that there is the potential of getting thin really quick on offense um, at, at running back. Excuse me. Listen, Braylon Allen is a stud. When Chaloui, great nickname, by the way. Oh, that one's stuck. That's been one of your better ones. When Chaloui is healthy, also very good. So we have an well- awesome pair but you just said it when healthy, both of these guys have injury history. There you go. Like it is what it is at the same time. One of the best one, two punches in the big 10, if not all of college football, simultaneously being a little bit, you know, butt clenchy in that they can't stay healthy. Also the drop off from the number two guy to the number three guy, is something that just has not gotten figured out yet. I mean, it's crazy. It's Wisconsin, but but you know, we need somebody to step up to be that spare. I'm I'm still not sure who that's going to be. Sure, could be Jackson Aker. Okay, former fullback <laughs> switched over <laughs> to running back, or Cade Yakmali, another guy, younger guy. Again, these are names that Big Ten fans do not know. I, I don't know if a lot of Wisconsin fans know them either. As far as the wide receivers, okay, do you care if I just name all these off real quick? Yeah, Jared? go for it, man. Jim Ray DK, Skylar Bell, Keontae Lewis, CJ Williams, Will Pauling, Bryson Green. I swear there's more capable wide receivers on the roster than there has been all the years that we've recorded this podcast for Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> Added up into one. This is the most talented and deepest wide receiver core we've seen since we started recording the cast. 
So essentially, in 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 Wisconsin, that was in, in Wisconsin. So like we gave you the names. Here is my deep synopsis. I can't give you a, a breakdown because I I got no clue how this is going to work out. They want to go six deep with wide receivers. We will just see how the chips fall on how the rotation goes and who's the playmaker. I I honestly, I feel like every time I read into this wide receiver group, there's another wide receiver that they like. I've heard Will Pauling at one point. I've heard CJ Williams. Bryson Green just got, I. we will see who it winds up being. You know, so, okay, let's put a scenario out there. Either Braylon Allen or Che Louis gets injured and goes down and and they just don't have the depth at running back. Are, could they potentially be good enough just to sling the ball and still get it done? I think I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I don't think that should be their goal, though. I I, I do no. not, especially as you go deeper. I know it's a cliche, but as you go deeper into the football season and the weather yeah. in Wisconsin and, you know, the northern parts of, of the Midwest, tight end, whoo. Uh, they're doing their they're kind of doing their best Illinois impression as far as who's going to play tight end depth. Yeah. It's it's all a concern. They had two guys kind of jet right at the beginning of camp, but sounds like uh, Hayden Rucci, Riley Nowakowski. These are guys that are in the role, but neither one of them are receivers for the most part. It's it's just kind of a glorified uh, offensive lineman they had out there. We'll see how that rotation goes. Um, o line is. I went into it thinking it was a good first line. But it dropped off after talking to to my guy Supercrawl. Um, to me, it's it's uh, I, I there's a couple guys like I think left tackle Jack Nelson, he's the probable draft pick here. But outside of that, Renfro is their center. He's got to come back from injury. Bartolini, Bruner, Malman, Rucci, Bruner, like these are all names that you know I think can play. The shuffling and how they're going to fit together. I think they got good six or seven, maybe eight guys. I We will just see how the offensive line goes together. Well, a lot of positive things that came out of the spring. The coaching staff seemed kind of pleasantly surprised how deep the line was. I, I think so. And I think it's deep. Yeah. We will just see how good it is. Um, even my guy, Supercrawl, big offensive lineman lover, said, you know, to be honest with you, the offensive line hasn't been a Wisconsin offensive line for quite some time. Jonathan yeah. Taylor actually was the one that kind of hit it, you know. Yeah. Can this get back to being what you would expect out of a Wisconsin offensive line? And maybe um, uh, uh, the change in philosophy, you know, getting guys out of the box might help go. Speaking, speaking of Supercrawl, I forgot to say it at the beginning, but he kept using uh, Seinfeld buzzwords <laughs> to explain all the changes that are at Wisconsin. He's saying both bizarro world, you know, this is bizarro world, Wisconsin. And then also he's like, it's do the opposite. You know, it, it's, it's, it's do the opposite all over the place as far as um, uh, philosophy. So we'll see, see if it works out as good for Wisconsin as it did for George. All right, switching over to the defense. Okay, I'm just going to say it one more time. I really feel like Wisconsin fans and then just people generally in the media, they are glancing over the loss of Jim Leonard, a.k.a. Leanne Hard, way more than I feel like they should be. Yeah, they probably are. And at first, I thought they got a little too excited about the prospect of Mike Trestle. We've seen Trestle before. We were When he was at Michigan State, we were kind of, eh, kind of meh on his performance but you have to give him credit for what he did just recently at Cincinnati yes 
And he did have good defenses in Michigan State. I, I don't want to yeah. say that. Like, I will say the numbers looked better than what my memory was. Yeah, same with me. Stuff. So we'll see what it winds up looking like. More of what I thought it looked like or more of what the stats bore out. Jim Leonard's defense the last four or five years at Wisconsin, certainly a step up than what Trestle was. But there obviously was something there. Uh, for what Luke Fickle wanted as far as the fit on what he wants to see the offense and defense playing off of each other. And obviously he had just a ton of, of confidence and, and comfortability with Trestle. Um, yeah. There's so there's no way they're going to be as good as they've right. been under Leon hard. I don't, but think I, so. th- I still think this could be a pretty good defense and, and could be a pretty good defense this year. They they're 45th in the country with returning production. Didn't bring in as many, uh, transfers on the defensive side of the ball, but still, I think there's a good base to start with. Okay, nice base. I don't know if Kurt, I'm ready to say good base. Okay, okay. numbers last year, total defense 10th in the country, 303 yards mm-hmm. per game, scoring defense 17th in the country, 20 points per game. I, I we are going to see a drop off from those numbers. Uh, that, I think so. That that is you know so it's like like drastic drop off where they're like the 60th or 70th best defense. No, I, I know that, that uh, um, uh, fickle puts an emphasis on total team and defense, but more available yards running the ball. And and then we have been used to see under Leonard. Like that's what I think. uh, It's going to be, it's going to be strange to see a, a more typical defense, a more typical defense. And, you know, as far as what they're running, I mean, it's up in the air. Like, is it a three four four? Is it a two four five? Like, they've, it's they've kind of a apparently. Thing. The, apparently, they've been showing a lot of two four five. Okay, so, and and is that a thing that represents the losses? I mean, really, the the only two losses are big losses, and the biggest losses is Keanu Benton. That is a gigantic loss for them. Nick Herbig also huge. So you look at the defense. I mean, Rodas Johnson. James Thompson, Gio uh, Paez, Isaiah Mullins, like basically these are all journeymen. That's what, they, you know, that's what I would call them is like a ton of guys that just kind of hung in the NBA for years, you know, and just kind of made a team to round out a roster. So I don't think any of those guys are bad. I just don't think they're, they're difference makers of a lot of what we've been used to seeing for a typical Wisconsin defensive line. No, probably not what we're used to seeing i do have a lot more confidence in the first two levels than than the back end okay yeah really okay all right um, i think so I- i've just got questions all over each level here uh and then uh uh crawl wanted me to point out darian barner transfer from temple that yeah. is somebody that uh, eight sacks last year yeah also bringing jeff pietrowski from michigan state on uh, two yeah. potential edge players right there so that's that's obviously a little bit on wisconsin like you know i mean obviously this is a big uh, change and everything like that, but typically they just never needed to bring anybody in on the defensive side from the transfer portal. Linebackers, you remember when I listed out all of the names for the wide receivers, and it was yep. basically the message was, let's just see how they fit it together. Can I just do that again real quick? Yeah. Jordan Turner, CJ Getz, Daryl Peterson, Jake Cheney, TJ Bullers, Miami, Niometa. I, I know I, I, I ruined that, but these are guys that have been developed in a really good system. You don't just lose all of those skills. One or two or three or four of those guys is going to wind up being solid. We'll just yeah. see how it all fits together and then what their 
playing, you know, as far as the defense. I mean, it's a it's a mystery to me. Yeah, well, if they got all those linebackers, just put 25 of them on the field. It looks like what they're trying to do. (laughs) And I think that is like trying to add to the confusion. It's kind of similar to uh, the third team that we will break down here. You kind of mentioned that the uh, DBs are a little bit of a concern. I I, I think that's fair. Um, they've brought in a lot on the back end. Uh, let's see, Ricardo Hallman, Jason Mater, they are the cornerbacks. One guy that I feel like I keep reading the name of as far as somebody that's um, uh, come over is from, uh, and I just forgot, he's from a smaller uh, college that he came in from, but Nizir Foraqueen. Or it's our curing. I don't know how to say that, guys. I'm sorry. But like he has been looking good in camp. So that's going to be somebody that I. it's going to be guys like that. They have to step up in the secondary in order to make this a secondary that Badger fans want to see. I think it's Farquad. Farquad. (laughs) That works for me. Um, Hunter Waller been there for quite some time. He might be playing that dollar position. So that's another thing, you know, that's another linebacker essentially that comes down into the box that they want that safety to be. So we basically need four or five linebackers or four or five defensive backs that they feel comfortable with. That is what's going to be interesting to see these first couple games if they can fall into that. My big question is, are the cornerbacks good enough to play this swarming disruptive defense that Mike Trestle wants to play? And I don't I don't see it right now, but maybe we will. Because the what you think is that they're going to be sending people a lot. That's that's what they want to do. You know, they want to confuse people. If you send, you know, more than six or seven, that means you got defensive backs that are left alone with people. So we will see how that goes. Special teams concern. I, 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 I we yeah. have a, a real concern here. The kicker we think is going to be Nate Vakos, Vakos, um, the punter. They just brought this guy in, a left-footed Aussie, Atticus Burntrens. Atticus, I mean, Mm. that's just fantastic right there. Questions, questions, questions there as far as the the special teams. The the Wisconsin special teams in general not been as good the past couple years than, again, what we've seen, you know, over over the best stretches of Wisconsin football. So Yeah, all right, so let's get into the schedule here. Okay, so we start now with the Buffalo Bulls. Okay, we get that win. And then third game is Georgia Southern. Okay, I don't know, man. That Washington State game, second week of the year, that is an interesting game for me. I'm not saying Wisconsin's going to lose. It's just, I guess I'm surprised how many people are just automatically chalking that up for a win for Wisconsin. Got beat by them at home last year. Completely different scenario. Right. I get that. But, you know, just something to keep an eye on. Then at well, Purdue. Okay. And especially that early in the season with with all new schemes. Correct. Correct. So yeah, you can't overlook that one. Yep. So it's 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 a youngish team, you know, staff still getting another team to go on the road that far out in the West Coast uh, to say goodbye. Let me ask you this. Will Washington State have a little bit of extra fire in their belly, seeing as how yeah. this is their one of, you know, their this is a Big Ten team that they're uh, uh, losing out to, you know, as far as their status. I don't know if that adds to it or not. And then you get the idle week. Again, we pointed this out in the previous podcast. I don't like that idle week if I'm nope. Luke Fickle or 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 a Wisconsin fan. Rutgers, Iowa, at Illinois, Ohio State, Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, and then finish up with Minnesota, of course. So but this here's is... the thing I like. Here's the thing I like about their schedule. They could be into October and be five and out. Absolutely. They've got five very winnable games to start the year off. They could and... have an incredible amount of momentum going into that Iowa game. And I mean, right now, Vegas 100% 
that's what they think they're going to be. They right. think they're going to be 5-0 and going into that Iowa game, which they get at home. But that stretch right there, Iowa at Illinois, Ohio State. So, mm. you know, that is going to play into their team over under right there. What is the record in that uh, thing? I-, I mean, to me, if I'm a Badger fan, the best I could hope for is 2-1. and one. But 1-2 one and two is certainly on the table, as is... 0 and 3. If you go yep. 0 and 3 through that stretch, there's a very good chance you're not going to Indianapolis. Why? Well, because I think a lot of people uh think Iowa and Illinois are going to be two of the top teams in the West. So to go over, that is a big thing. By the way, Iowa plays Illinois in that stretch as well. That is a very, you know, interesting big West round robin robin tournament right there. And where uh Wisconsin gets Illinois, whew, that is that's an interesting little situation right there. For sure. Um, and then you would think Indiana Northwestern are going to be wins and then a tough finish with Nebraska at Minnesota. What do you have for scariest game of the year? Oh, scariest game. This one's pretty easy to me because it's sandwiched between Iowa and Ohio State. I've got at Illinois. At Illinois is the choice, okay? As far as scariest game, I will say this, though. I have at Minnesota because I also wanted to have a separate why. Minnesota is, you know, I think I know I'm almost positive it's won two of the last three, maybe even three of the last four. I'm sorry, I don't know that off the top of my head. Long story short, is they've lost more games to Minnesota than they're used to. They lose another one this year, and Fickle starts off 0-1 to PJ Fleck. That is a scary thought for, for Badger fans right there. For curb stomp, okay. I'm gonna tick off fans of the team that's two behind this, but Wisconsin has owned Nebraska quite a bit, okay? And I expect Wisconsin to be rolling at that point with Indiana Northwestern. They get Nebraska at home. Can they keep up the, you know, the extremely high levels of success they've had against Nebraska? Now, keep in mind, I do know this. Nebraska and Wisconsin have actually played a lot of close games, but could this be a game that Wisconsin just kind of runs away with? That's I picked the same Nebraska, as you would so uh, just to add to what you said, I agree with everything there. But the, you, you're talking about two teams that are co- contrasting big time on the line of scrimmage, yeah, and what you have there. And you're talking about two first year coaches with new schemes and, and, and a Nebraska team that's probably not nearly as deep as Wisconsin. So that deep into the season, I, I feel like they could be in trouble. Definitely have that that capability. You know, Sims running around a lot. Is he healthy at that point of the year? So that leads us to the biggest game of the year. I mean, to me, you could really pick two here. Um, I'll go first because I don't think you'll have this, but because you had at you had scariest game at Illinois. I have yeah. biggest game at Illinois for hmm. Wisconsin. Um, let's say potentially Wisconsin l- loses to Iowa. Okay, you got to win that Illinois game, which is the reason why it could be scariest. But that gets you back into the uh, uh, Big Ten West race. And if you beat Iowa and you beat Illinois, you are darn near guaranteed a spot in Indianapolis. So either way that that Illinois game goes, it's going to be huge. Yeah, I'm just still looking at Iowa and Wisconsin as probably the two um, most likely to win the West. So for me, it's the Iowa game is the biggest. When that head-to-head and you got a big leg up. I'll be honest with you, I kind of thought you would choose that over under set right at pretty much where it should be eight and a half go ahead i thought i was gonna go under but 
after digging a little bit, I have to, I have to just lean slightly to the over. It's, it's nine and three is going to be a really good record if they can pull that off in year one. Okay. But I have to lean with the over. I would not blame anybody for going over. I might be foreshadowing things here a little bit, but I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under for yep. the number. I see a little bit more question marks than I think my my guy Big Kurt sees. Um, we'll see. Either way, this is going to be an interesting story to watch. So that was me and Kurt's thoughts, but how about an actual Wisconsin Batcher fan? Take it away at Supercrawl. What's up, Eyes on Big listeners? Uh, this is Super Crowl from Twitter. Uh, big Badger fan and supporter. Um, thinking about the 23 season here, um, it's going to be like nothing we've ever seen. I've spent some time last spring thinking, what the hell even is a Wisconsin Badger football team anymore? Um, it's going to be completely bass backwards, upside down, uh, running spread tempo from shotgun, uh, and not, you know, three tight ends and three fullbacks and just, uh, you know, the barge formation, all of those things. The, the Badger and the Hawkeye is a long time ago now. Um, so it's going to be really an interesting season. Um, defense is going to be, you know, all over the place too, super multiple, lots of different personnel, lots of different formations, alignments, uh, really, really trying to do a lot with pre-step confusion. Um, so overall, how does that all shake out? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Um, I want to be confident. I want to be hopeful. I think they'll be favored in 11 games. Um, but that hasn't always worked out for us lately here. So I'm leaning towards, you know, the, the eight and a half over under is really, really where it needs to be. Um, I'm going to go nine and be positive. I think they're a nine and three team. Uh, Ohio State's going to be tough for us. There's a couple other games in the West that are going to be, you know, could be 50-50 toss-up games. I do think we get Washington State back, though. Um, they really, they deserve it. We, uh, we gave one last year that really hurt the team, so. Looking forward to the 23 season. Uh, thanks a lot for the opportunity to talk, and let's chop it up on Twitter. All right, moving into the 2023 Michigan State Spartans. Shout out to my guy, Dougie. Um, what do we got here? 32 and 26 the last five years. That's a 55.7% winning percentage. Still good for seventh in the Big Ten. Hanging on to that top half of the conference spot last year, five and seven. This is Mel Tucker's entering his fourth year. Um, but I don't know if you remember, but a little, little bit of a big eyes on big pat on the back. We, uh, we had said that maybe Mel Tucker's win loss records at Michigan state would look like an EKG stat mm. or a chart where it goes up and down. We've kind of seen that, you know, we've kind of seen that this, this would mean that this needs to be an up year because we went down, up, down. We will see. Offensive coordinator, still Jay Johnson. Defensive coordinator, still Scotty Hazleton. If I did a uh, draft for the three most mysterious teams in the Big Ten, this would either be my first or second pick yeah. in the mysterious team draft. What say you, Big Kurt? Well, yeah, th this is supposed to be their up here, right? And Mel's trying to run it back. He's trying to recreate what he did two years ago with they have a pretty big influx of transfers, 14 of them by my count. And now Mel is really playing up this transfer class too, though. Maybe maybe he should pump the brakes a little bit, but he's saying it's a better transfer class than the one he had two years ago. I have noticed that too. I It's got a little bit of a speak it into existence feel yes. to it. So I, I hear what you're saying there. I will say this. Um, he has shown that he can do it. Okay. 
Yeah. So who's to say it can't happen again? It does have the tough to find, you know, grab lightning in a bottle twice type of deal. We'll start on the offense. Last year, the offensive numbers were not great. 96 ranked total offense, 353 yards per game. 90th in scoring offense, 24.4 points per game. And then you lose your starting quarterback, Peyton Thorne. And then the hard loss, which was Keon Coleman leaving, uh, or or, excuse me, uh, Jaden Reed. uh, Yeah, no, I got that right. Sorry. Keon Keon Coleman. Coleman, yeah. Jane Reed, we already knew, was gone to the uh, the NFL. Keon Coleman also took off late in the transfer portal. Now, I do believe Sparty fans, when they say this, the loss of Peyton Thorne was not something that upset them too much. The, the general thought process was Peyton Thorne was told in not so many turns that there was nothing guaranteed for him coming back for his senior year, that he was going to get pushed and pushed hard by the other two quarterbacks that we'll talk about here. However, Keon Coleman leaving late, that hurt. That hurt Mel Tucker and Michigan State fans. Um, but should we just go ahead and start and just kind of jump in at the the most mysterious position for the most mysterious one of the most mysterious teams? Sure. I mean, I think the reason that that Peyton Thorne, you're talking about quarterback, I yep. said, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. The reason that Peyton Thorne left, I think, is because of who is probably going to start this year, and that's former four-star super recruit Caton Hauser. He was the number two twenty-five player. In the class of 22 out of St. John Bosco. So did Peyton just see the writing on the wall? There's a more talented guy. Maybe Mel's also just thinking of the future, saying next man up, let's get him in there. No point in waiting. It feels like that's what happened. So I, to me, I, I don't think maybe there is a quarterback competition with Noah Kim. I don't see it, though. I see Kaden Hauser getting wow. the reins here. Really? Okay. So. Okay, is that is that something that it's kind of a gut big Kurt feel or reading that's, through the tea leaves? No, that's or? a gut. This okay. is this is not inside information. This is just my gut. Well, guess who agrees with you? Our okay. our guy Dougie is is, is leaning towards Caden Hauser. Um, yeah. Now the thing was is coming out of the spring, Noah Kim was was all the talk. Noah Kim is a junior, Caden Hauser a sophomore. So now with that being said, Doug wanted to be clear: whoever rolls out for the first game is not going to surprise him one way or the other. I don't think Michigan state fans give two bleeps who is the starting quarterback. As long as whoever is the starting quarterback takes control of the offense, that, that is what they're looking for. And yeah, then and I think they, they have a chance. This, they, they've struggled in the offensive line with the exception of the Kenneth Walker year, but this could be one of their better lines that we've seen recently. It looks more stable three out of five. Are, are coming back with others that have experience. They bring in a pretty big, big Juco guy. I think he was the number one yes. Juco offensive lineman in Keyshawn Blackstock. So I think whoever's back there could get his chances. i tell you what, you and Dougie, lockstep. He thinks this is the best offensive line Michigan State's had in four or five years after walking through. And, and I knew it was going to be improved. So I did feel good about this offensive line. I feel even better after I've kind of worked through what they're at. So I do expect this to be an offensive line that is either average or in the top half of the Big Ten for offensive lines. And, you know, I mean, this this goes for almost everybody, but, like, I just really feel like Michigan State is best when their offensive line is a developmental, developed offensive line. They rotated so many guys last year. It's hard to even say who's the returning starter. The good news is they got a lot of guys with starting ability. And I think that's what will happen in that 
They want to get back to leaning on the run. I don't think this is a passing attack or quarterback that you want to put all the eggs in one basket in the passing attack. So can Jalen Berger finally be the guy, be healthy, be a, be a playmaker? That is going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and they bring a couple transfers in. So they've got some options in the running back room, but they nobody in the running back room or the wide receiver room jumps out as great, which is strange. No. We're, we're used to seeing the opposite where Michigan state in recent past has had plenty of options at wide receiver, some really good running backs, but maybe not so good on the offensive line. It's it's looks like it's kind of flipped. Now I, I agree. I will say I do feel better about the running backs than I do uh, uh, wide receivers. Uh, Nathan Carter is, is a name to look out for Jaron Mangum as it kind of rounded out the pair in the spare. After that, listen, Trey Mosley is fine. Okay. Uh, like, like Dougie and I agreed, Trey Mosley could start on almost every Big Ten team not named Ohio State, but Trey Mosley will not be the star receiver on any Big Ten team. But you you like having him around, yeah. but we're going to need somebody to step up. Could it be Alante Brown uh, transferred over mm. from Nebraska? Good point. Tyrell Henry is a name to keep your to eye on. And then Antonio Gates Jr., who is a freshman. Yes, that is Antonio Gates son that is on the team so those are the names that sparty fans are looking for and then also tied in malik carr the guy is really talented he's to me he has not lived up to the billing so far when he first showed up in west lafayette because he's transferred from purdue i was like oh man this guy's gonna be really good but he just hasn't taken off maybe this is the year he makes the leap switching over to the defense we need to see something here sparty and and mel tucker has i have got to think if there's he doesn't have any hair but if he had hair to, to pull out how this defense has looked pretty much the entire time he's been there i mean it wasn't great in okay. 2021 it was just hidden with that explosive offense omg this needs to be at least an average defense don't you think this is like a recall year for scotty hazelton either he has a good defense this year or you just got to try something else i i would say the Second most surprising coordinator brought back in the Big Ten this year. Everybody knows who number one is. Yeah, it'd be Scotty Hazleton, a yeah. defensive coordinator. And I don't know what that is, if that's like a guilty by association thing that, that Mel Tucker has. I don't know. So what they're trying to do, they're 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 kind of trying to restart this thing a little bit, bringing in a lot of guys. We got defensive tackle Simeon Barrel Jr., who is a junior. That is a stud. So you got a good dude to start out with on the defensive line. Outside of that, Derek Harmon is fine. Uh, a name to look out for is the transfer from Texas A&M, Tooney Adelele. That's a that was a that was one of those big Texas A&M recruits. Okay, that that got the payday. <laughs> it took off. So the big stuff there. Zion Young. Is this enough on that four-two-five uh, defense to pull together? Some playmaker, some depth. Yeah, I think the defensive line looks fine. I don't know if it looks any better than fine, but it's good enough to do the job. But then you get to the second level, and they're pretty damn good at the linebacker position. So I, you know, coming away talking to Dougie, I definitely feel good about the offensive line. I'm not sure if I feel as strong on the defensive line. I see potential there. I mean, I really like Simeon Barrow. I mean, you can't go wrong with a guy named Simeon on the defensive line in the Big Ten, right? I mean, good, good things point. happen. Yeah. By the way, so, four four transfer defensive linemen they brought in. Correct. So essentially you are really hoping and expecting. And I will say this, 
if you're going to bring in a bunch of transfers, if honestly, I don't know if you think this is weird, but if they're all in one position, that doesn't worry me quite as much when it, when they're spread all over the place and you need guys all over. But if you can kind of concentrate on one position and bringing guys in, if they've got some credit or got some experience, uh, Jacoby Windham and Cal Holiday, the linebackers. I mean, these are Big Ten stalwart linebackers. They yeah, deserve- don't forget Go ahead. Darius Snow. Don't forget about him. He was out last year. He and we, comes back. And I, I don't know if we're 100% convinced that he's healthy, but if so, okay. again, that's that's these linebackers deserve better, right, than the defenses they played on. I think these are guys that if played if playing for a different defense, quality defense would be would be really quality guys. And I think you've already kind of uh, uh, alluded to this. By the way, uh, Aaron Brule, another, another transfer. Uh, Chris Bogle, another guy to take a look for. Um, can the DBs be better? I mean, the, I, it does not seem like there are any answers that any Sparty fans have on what the secondary is going to look like. It's a far cry from the no-fly zone that we were used to years ago. This defense, and this is a pick six previews poll, had two interceptions last year. That's in a full season. That's the fewest by any Power 5 team in the last seven years. Wow. Wow, that's a that's a stab. So and, that's got to change. And then you know what the, the thing is, it's not just that they're not picking off balls; they're also giving up big plays. How do you simultaneously give up big plays and not get picks? At least you would think you know the risk reward would would work out. So the, basically, they went from the no fly zone to the no fun zone is what the secondary has turned into. I mean, it's really I I trust Angelo Gross. Charles Bentley is another name we know. After yep. that, it's tough. Yeah. Yep. Not much. Um, uh, Jaden Mangum and Malik Spencer, I think, are rising safeties. Uh, but again, limitations. This has got to be something. This Again, this is Mel Tucker's baby here. Secondary, you know, he's secondary coach for Nick Saban. Special teams. I mean, dude, when you lose an all-time grade in Behringer at punter, that, that's a void. Okay. And that's something that, you know, a good yeah. solid, solid punter and kicking game is something that Michigan State's going to need. We will see. How that works out. Okay, going into the schedule. Sweet baby Jesus. This this is this is a tough. I mean, there are there are pitfalls everywhere in this schedule. Yeah, so they're crossovers. They get Iowa, Nebraska, they get, Nebraska, they get Minnesota. Not exactly ideal. And they get Iowa and Minnesota on the road. Those games get appreciated tougher. And then I mean, honestly, you, you go the first game, and, and again, they have not as bad, but not a great idle week. They get the first week in October. So, you know, you're kind of split in the middle there. But just starting out, okay, like I, Central Michigan is not supposed to be good, okay? I, I expect Michigan State to, to beat Central Michigan, but I hate playing Central Michigan or Western Michigan if I'm Michigan State or Michigan. Sure. You know, yeah. everybody's got a chip on his shoulder that's playing on that roster that they didn't I get. I see what you did there. I see yeah. what you did there. Chip on the shoulder. <laughs> So that is tough. And then Richmond Spiders. Okay. I expect them to start 2 0. <laughs> I expect them to start 2 0. And then in comes Washington. So when you are needing wins to get momentum going and you get what could be the best Pac 12 team coming in, that's that that's a that's a tough draw right there. And we saw what happened last year. But I I don't think that's an unwinnable game. I do not think it's unwinnable either. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. But how about that for your third, fourth, and fifth game? Washington, Maryland, at Kinnick. That's a wall for, for, excuse me, having those three games before you even 
reach the month of October. And and here's another one. Get they get their bye week first weekend in October. Not ideal there either. Nope. And then you would like to have maybe a bigger game outside the idle week, and they go to Rutgers. And then another kick here: Michigan at Minnesota, Nebraska at Ohio State. You get a break versus Indiana, but it's on the road, and then you finish up against Penn State. This is just, I feel bad for her, man. I, I, I don't want to say, like, that's why on the Kelly Ford podcast, I fought for this to be at least in the top three or four or five country uh, schedules in the country for toughest. This is, this yeah. is bananas. This is bananas. All right. Um, scariest game. I'm going to start this right out. I, I, I've got at Rutgers. Okay. Now it's hmm. coming after an idle week. Okay. It's coming after an idle week. However, it's right before Michigan and that that you know three four game stretch right there. If you beat Rutgers, which is why I also have them as the curb stomp, okay, you beat Rutgers, you could be as good as four and two at that point. You f- you feel good, okay. But if you lose the Rutgers, you could be as bad as three and three or two and four heading into that Michigan game. Scariest curb stomp. That that uh, uh, Rutgers game is huge. Okay, so this was tough because there's so many scary ones, and I'm not sure this is going to be the the greatest explanation here. I do think the Washington game is potential winnable, but the way they didn't show up last year and got embarrassed. What if that happens again? Yeah, if that happens again, that could ruin their confidence for the whole season. Yeah, so I've I've got the Washington game. Okay. Uh, so you got that for scariest. What do you have for curb stomp? Curb stomp. I'm just going with Rutgers off that okay. bye week. Okay. So I want I want Sparty fans to know. I expect you to beat Rutgers, but that plays into the scariness for me. Is is what if you don't? Sure. For the biggest game, I'm I'm really curious to see what yours is. And Dougie and I kind of arrived on this literally at the same time. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. It it's potential that they could start out three zero. I expect Mm -hmm. them to start out two and one. Suddenly Maryland comes in Mm -hmm. and there is a tussle there on who's going to be, you know, essentially the fourth best team. That's my biggest one right there. I exact same thing. You have the same interest. Exact same thing. So Dougie as well. That's good. That's good to know. Because I wasn't sure that some like a, a true fan would agree with that. I thought they might, I might get some pushback there. I mean, certainly we understand if you beat Michigan, it's the biggest game on your schedule. It's just hard for us to foresee that happening or, you know, Ohio State or Penn State. So if you're taking a realistic view, yeah, you you, you bring it down. You look at that Maryland game right there. Barometer game, as they say. Over, under, set at four and a half. Man, Okay, super tough schedule. I get it. But I'm just going to name off four teams right now. Central Michigan, Richmond Spiders. Rutgers, Scarlet Knights, and Indiana Hoosiers. I think that's four wins right there, if I had to say. So you need one more. Can they get one more? I think they can get one more. I'm going over. I'm going over, too, ever so slightly. Um, Now, those two of those four that you named aren't aren't auto wins, but I expect them to be wins. So this this is tight. This is sweaty. I think they can be better than last year. And they got to five wins last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that would be my take. I think they're going to be a better football team than last year and finish five and seven again, if that makes I, sense. I, yeah, that's probably right around where I'm going to have them too. 
But hey, that's us. Let's listen to our guy, Dougie. Dougie got granular. He wanted to talk names, so he got him in there. Take it away, Dougie. What's up, guys? I'm Big Ten listeners. This is Dougie Tutter here with your Michigan State preview. Um, Looking right now at the quarterback position, we'll start with what everybody wants to know. Um, Right now, it's a battle. Spring was a battle. Fall has been a battle. If I had to pick right now, I would go Kate and Hauser. Uh, moving on through the offense, you know, wide receiver group loses Jaden Reed. Trey Mosley's there and a lot of question marks. Um, who's going to be Antonio Gates, Jr., Tyrell Henry seem to be some names to watch there. At running back, Jalen Berger's back. Uh, right now, he's going to be probably working with Nathan Carter as the one-two punch there for the running back room in Michigan State. Offensive line room has been a problem in the years, not being consistent. I think this is going to be the most consistent year for that offensive line in a few years. Let's see if they can get that running game going back like they, when they had Kenneth Walker, at least some kind of level like that of consistency. Defensive line, I'm really high on. Zion Young is the name to watch. It's a breakout star. Uh, Simeon Barrow is going to be a solid defensive tackle along with Derek Harmon. Uh, Tunisi Adelaide transferring from Texas A&M, their elite class that they had years ago. He's broken off. He's at Michigan State now. Let's see what he can do with all that talent. Linebacker room, Cal Halliday, Jacoby Windman, they're going to be there. They're good linebackers. Let's see how they can kind of get that defense settled out. Safety room, if you're talking about the back end safety room, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with Magnum and Spencer. The quarterback room is going to be another wild ride, man. You're going to have to just see what happens week to week. Um, so the offense overall, I'm feeling it might be better than last year. Defense, I'm hoping it might be better. Um, but when you look at the schedule Michigan State has, I don't know how many more wins that translates into, if any. Um, if I had to pick a game right now that would kind of be the barometer for the season, I would also go with Maryland. I think it's going to be a kind of a flip game from that under-over win total, from the under to the over, depending on that out Maryland game outcome. So while wins might not be there from Michigan State this year, I think the team as a whole will be improved. Go Green. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day amador whiskey company born in kentucky raised in california next up the 2023 nebraska corn husker shout out to a bevy of people jim in minnesota vegas jer the bug eater even huskers x's and o's got in there last five years 19 and 37 that's a 34 percent winning percentage 13th in the big 10 during the last five years That is shocking. Last year, four and eight. But Kurt, the past is prologue. Out is Scott Frost. In is Matt Rule. He of Temple and Baylor turnaround success. Not so great at the Carolina Panthers, but honestly, I don't think Kurt and I even give two shits about that and are weighing this in at all. Defensive coordinator Tony White in his unique style. Offensive coordinator, the much-traveled Marcus Satterfield. Big Kurt, what are we thinking about Big Red? Okay, great hire, Matt Rule. Not as much to work with as we've got 
in Madtown. So I think we need to start with a little bit lower expectations. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, what happened to the quarterback position with Casey Thompson leaving, Jeff Sims coming in. I know everyone's excited about Jeff Sims. I love watching Jeff Sims play football. I just don't know that Jeff Sims is a really good college quarterback. I think they're that's that's the that's what their season hangs on here offensively. Is is we're we're putting all our chips in on Jeff Sims, dual threat guy, potentially get get injured. I have some questions. And I tell you, we'll get right into the quarterback here in the offense. I just want to say to to take a quick step back if if I could. Um a, a phrase that I believe I coined when talking about Matt Rule that I see all the time now. There's an adult in the room now. Okay, well, I, I, there, there, start. There, there was not an adult in the no. room with Scott Frost. I, I think that was apparent two or three years in, and then you know grossly apparent by the end of his tenure there. That's gone. I, I think Matt Rule has been the perfect coach for this transition that is needed which is start making this look like what it's supposed to look like which is a football team that cares about their fans and cares about the offensive and defensive line development yep keeping a schedule Kurt I'm dead serious when I say this like you know making guys accountable keeping a schedule stuff like that like just the overall everybody exhale and just start to go to work that is what I think Matt Rule w- was was an excellent hire for. Okay, all great points. What I I guess before we even get into Jeff Sims and the offensive yep. line and all these other things, I want to see from the first series of the first game a different looking squad. The same way that it seemed different instantaneously for Illinois, and the same way it looked different instantaneously for Shiano. I know it's not going great in Piscataway, but you know, you saw a difference from almost the first snap. It looked, it look, those look like different teams. I'm pointing at the page that I'm, I'm reading off of right now. Cause you took exactly what I was going to say next and totally agree. Like, will it just look like a team that is being run by people that know the, the sport of football for once? And, and, I, and, think and, and I expect it will. I expect it to, right. From I, the I do. I do expect it to look better. I, I expect to not see Onside kicks to to start off second halves, but I expect less penalties. I expect yes. less boneheadedness. I expect better execution, better blocking, better tackling, better schemes. You name it, better football. <laughs> that's that's yes. what you're expecting, and I feel like you got that right from the get go at Big Ten Media Days. Matt Rule's Big Ten Media performance was better than. If you cut up all the best Scott Frost <laughs> interviews from all the Big Ten media days, it wouldn't have been as good as what Matt Rule uh, uh, did. So, so are you saying are you, are you insinuating he didn't mumble? He, he did mumble. He did walk in and say, uh, any questions? You know, didn't look like he uh, just got done, you know, throwing 800 drinks back the night before. All right. So we'll, we'll start out with offense because it is definitely a good place to start. Last year's numbers were worse than I thought they were. I was shocked. Sometimes some of these stats, you're shocked when you see them. 101st in total offense at 344 yards mm-hmm. per game. 101st, so I guess they were consistent as well with scoring offense at 22.6 points per game. Lost last year are Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer, and Travis Volkolek. That was kind of their triumvirte last year. 
uh, a little bit. Now in comes, as you said, Jeff Sims. Is this going to be RPO-based? I think so. Do they want to do play action? I think so. They want to run the ball. We heard that lip talk from from the previous staff and, and coach. I do think they're going to run the ball, but since you already kind of started it out, let's talk about Jeff Sims here. And by um, the way, let me just say, I, I got to the point where I was thinking, you know, did I just not pay close enough attention to Jeff Sims when he's at Georgia Tech? Maybe he was better than I remember. And then I looked at the stats. I'm like, no, he wasn't. No, he really. So there. here's one thing that you cannot doubt Jeff Sims with is his athletic ability. Okay. the, the Get him the first person off the bus. He looks yeah. amazing. His rushing stats. Dude, his rushing stats. 1,166 yards, 11 touchdowns, a 4.2-yard average. I mean, he, he's a good running back, you know? So, so Right. So that's probably where I'm not giving him enough credit. He The goal is going to be to get Jeff Sims into consistent, manageable third downs. Because I think even, you know, off-season Kool-Aid drinking Nebraska fans know that if Jeff Sims has to consistently be on in third and seven plus situations with his decision making and this offensive line, that is not anything that that Nebraska fans or Matt Rule want to see him get into. Can I give some stats to kind of support some of the stuff you're saying? Mm. So, uh, 24 games, 4,400 passing yards, 1,152. I guess I, I was just using his, his last two years for stats. 41 total touchdowns that I mean those stats alone are great so the production is there and is very very good it's just that he also produces turnovers 31 turnovers total with 23 of those being interceptions we kind of already said this in the last one with Tanner Mordecai you got to have a signal caller in Jeff Sims is probably one of the best ones that Nebraska could have gotten out of the transfer poll but he has got to cut down on the turnovers. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, that's what that's what they the whole season hinges on him. Yeah, they're they're putting it all on him. Right. After that, Chuba Purdy, Henrik Heinberg. Again, even Nebraska fans are taking a realistic look. They know that it's a tough, tough schedule. If either one of those guys has to consistently be the the quarterback. Okay, moving on to the running backs. We got a first here, Kurt. You ready for this? Where you're ready for a, mm-hmm. a, a eyes on big first. There is okay. a player that I like more than Nebraska fans. And his name oh. is, is Anthony Grant. I, I think Anthony Grant is great. I think he's so good. I am. Yeah. The general thought process for Nebraska fans is he dances too much. I, I guess what I would say is <laughs> I wish you, I wish you guys could have seen the eye roll that Kurt did. I think what you were thinking there, Kurt, is many people would have danced behind that offensive line at times last year. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. 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 And, and I think part of it is because he's played against bad offensive lines. Part of it is just because he's played on bad teams. So he doesn't get the recognition. And part of it is he, he doesn't always get a lot of touches. Correct. Correct. So I still am confused on what the pair and the spare is going to be because it, it, it seems like it's another situation where we've got three, maybe four running backs that are in the middle that that Nebraska fans are excited about. And these are good running backs. Already talked about how much I like Anthony Grant. Gabe Irvin is huge. <laughs> the guy looks like 
He could play outside linebacker, stand up defensive edge, defensive end. Ramir Johnson, he's more of their, you know, Swiss Army scat back, very quick type of guy. Uh, they had a big loss in the transfer portal out of the running back room from last year. But out of these three guys, there these are three good running backs. And really, let's throw Sims in there. They got four good running backs. Honest, honestly, that's a great way of putting it, and I, and I agree. We'll we'll go to the offensive line next. The receivers are, um, it's a mixed bag here. Okay, like it's a mixed bag. But I tell you what, I love Billy Camp. Who's Billy transferred Camp in from Virginia. Billy Camp is they they want a specific role out of their slot receiver. I think they will one hundred percent get that in Billy Camp. We like Marcus Washington, I think. Correct? He's solid. He's reliable. Okay. Injured right now. I thought he was going to be out more, but it sounds like he'll be back pretty quick here. Uh, then we got the mercurial Xavier Betts that was in the TP, out of the TP, in the TP, back out of the TP. I think that's how. Or maybe he was only in once. I'm not real sure. But he, when he has the ball in his hands, okay, the electricity is real. But his ability to stay on the field which is between the ears and then to just what I can see is like being an, an efficient route runner, getting open, catching the ball. It's all about getting him on the field and getting the ball in his hands. Once the ball's in his hands, watch out. Yeah. We just haven't got, we haven't seen a lot of production from him. Right. Nope. Because again, the, 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 the best, the best ability is availability yeah. as they've said, and he's got to work on that. Um, then we got ISG, another guy that was in the transfer portal, back out of the transfer portal. I've seen good things, but it needs to be consistent. Josh Fleeks was sent home for being chubby. We got a, we got a chubby chubba Purdy on the team, and we got a chubby wide receiver. That's a first. Don't think I've ever seen that. Fleeks was gone back in. So I, I joked on Twitter if he he uh, got a little bit of Ozempic, you know, and got the weight <laughs> off right away and came back. So we will see, like, I do say, like, there's a lot of re receivers here. I don't exactly know how the roles are going to be outside of Kemp in the slot, but it's going to be interesting uh, uh, to see. And then don't forget about super fresh Malachi Coleman. Uh, that is that is a guy that I, I expect to make plays as a true freshman this year. Okay, that's good because they're going to they're gonna need someone. Correct. New to make plays. Correct. And then tight ends, I sure hope Tavis Fedoni is healthy and can finally – play a season here, but they bring in super recruit five-star former five-star Georgia tight end, Eric Gilbert. Excited to see him. Yeah. Uh, both high on potential. Now Eric Gilbert, I, as we record this podcast, I don't think it's official that he has been given his waiver to play college football this year. So mm -hmm. we still don't know, but I think he will. My call, Nate Borkirker, he'll wind up being the most steady tight end from this group. I, he just has steady tight net tight end written all over, but yeah, Thomas Fodoni, we will see. Moving on to the offensive line, something that has caused a lot of consternation with, with Husker fans for, for quite a while. I can squint and see a good offensive line here. What, what How, how I, do you feel? Mm, you can squint a lot more than I can. Okay. Maybe I, I just... I don't. I see, a lot, I see a lot of names I'm familiar with. They do have a transfer from ASU, but I we haven't seen these guys produce yet. We, I, I'm not... I'm yeah. not going to believe it till I see it. I, okay, I'm with you there. Uh, the I will believe it when I see it. I wholeheartedly uh, am, am with you there. I will say this. I will believe. I believe it's good. 
if they can all stay on the field and, and stay healthy. So, so that's kind of when I say I can squint and see a good offensive line, that's what I'm seeing. By the way, left tackle Teddy Prashaka, all six foot ten of him, he's dinged up already in this camp. Not not a good sign. Uh, Bryce Benhart, 6'9", tackle. I mean, you want to talk about bookends. Holy cow. He's got to stay healthy and stay on the field. Now, I do feel good about left guard Nordine New Delhi. Um, he, when he was in, he was good. He had the weird uh, 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 suspension last year. Ben Scott yeah. in from Arizona State. You know, I've heard really good things, but I, I need to see a center play well in the Big Ten Conference. But I do think that is a, a very solid picker. Pick up. I don't like Ethan Piper as much as Nebraska fans. I have got too much film that I have seen with Ethan Piper. Uh, and then we got Turner Corcoran as well. It is a deeper offensive line. It's got a gel. We got to see it together. Yep. Show me. Hey, speaking of gel, <laughs> that reminded me when you talked about a gel, a jelly donut. Yeah. This morning, my, 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 my four-year-old and I, we went to the grocery store to get milk and we walked by the donut section. So now you're getting donuts. I got a jelly donut. I was so excited. Awful. I think I think I have I have advanced in my age enough where the, yeah. the crappy jelly, you know, stuff that they put in there, it was gross. I I no, I didn't ter- even I actually threw it out the window. Plus threw it out the window. Really? Um I I think donuts have to be one of the most overrated foods in the world. Uh 90% of the donuts. 100%. If you yeah. get a great donut, it's fantastic, but most I... of them are stale is how it works out. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Defense. I don't know, man. This might be the most interesting part of, of this team, maybe even this of what we're breaking down. Tony White comes in over from Syracuse. He has got a, a 3-3-5 version of defense meant to attack, confuse everybody that it's going up against. I'm interested to see like, like this is, you know, if you looked at TCU, okay. Versus Michigan last year. Now that's, you know, uh, a, a defense that has been running that defense, you know, for quite some time against a Michigan offense that was humming at that time. Not every time it's going to look like that, but there were times that it confused that Michigan offense, but yet Michigan got like 600 yards of pull offense in the game. So both things happen. It is going to be interesting to see how this defense does in the, in the, in the big, big 10 conference you know, throughout the, this year and, and then past. Well, it's good. The intent is to confuse the other team because in the past, they've been the ones that look confused. Correct. And I will say this, this is my prediction. You want to hear this? Here's a fun one right here. I think Nebraska will be in the top third of the conference in tackles behind the line of scrimmage. They will also be in the top third in the conference in explosive plays given up. That is what mm-hmm. I predict from the Tony White defense their first year in. Okay, and again, you just it all starts up front. Line of scrimmage is a, is a big theme for me doing any of these things. I don't see it on the defensive line, just like I don't see it on the offensive line here. Which is yeah. why, which is why I just don't. I, I have high expectations for them looking better. I just don't have as high expectations for their results this year. I, I hear you there. Total defense last year, 99th in the country. Total de- uh, scoring defense, 76. And then from that defense, they lost Ernest Hausman, who we absolutely love. O'Shane yeah. Mathis, Garrett Nelson was an all-time Husker. Miles Farmer was with the team as recently as a month ago, is in the transfer portal and gone. So that was a huge loss at the at uh, uh, late. I will say this, as far as the, 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 the D-line goes, 
Like Ty Robinson is a guy that would probably start for most Big Ten teams, okay? And his role for most Big Ten teams is what it's going to be for Nebraska. Be a big dude in the center of the defense and just, you know, absorb uh, uh, blockers. And he knows that, okay? But after that, Blaze Gunnarsson, Nash Hutmacher, they're mid, all right, to use a kid, like a, a kid term. They're fine. They're not difference makers. The difference makers that they want to see are from the young guys. Princewell, you, Cam Lenhart, Raquan Buckley, these are talented kids that I very much wholeheartedly expect to see snippets of good things this year. Definitely good things as time goes on, but I'm with you. This defensive line mixing together when you essentially have upperclassmen that have never shown anything and young freshmen that have to go through a whole football season, it it, it, it has a certain level of doom feel for it for the D-line. Yeah, it does. Unfortunate, too, because I have a lot more confidence in the next level linebackers with Reimer and Henrik back. And then they bring in a Georgia transfer to play the jack position. MJ Sherman, another one, Chief Borders from Florida. Uh, Jamari Butler is another big name. So I feel like they're they're pretty solid and fairly deep at that position. And John they may Bullock. not get to shine. They just may not get to may shine not. because right. of what's in front of them. And then add in John Bullock, who is a walk-on that's kind of transitioned from a safety. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Reimer and Heinrich uh, fit in the new schemes. But we just listed off quite a few linebackers that are either talented or have experience or both. You Somehow, I mean, that is the, the, the task of Tony White. Make this team rely as much on the linebackers as you can. But eventually, there's always a time where an offensive lineman can get up into, you know, the the second level. So we will see if the defensive line lets these linebackers operate. Going into the secondary, I think this could be a strength of the team. But losing Miles Farmer is is big, yeah. and I I, I think it, it's a little bit thinner than maybe you'd like to see. Yeah, a few names that we can recognize: Marcus Marcus Buford, Isaac Gifford, Quentin Newsom. So yeah, I think they could be solid again. It all starts up front for me. It all starts up front. Like, and I think what you're saying is these are good defensive backs, but yeah, I don't think they're rely on them in coverage all day long defensive backs. Nope. But if these defensive backs are working in step with a disruptive front seven, then it suddenly becomes a lot better. So they're kind of they're kind of sitting on the knife's edge right there. Apparently, Tommy Hill, quarterback who had a rough 2022 has took a gigantic step up. He's been the star uh, in the making another star in the making switching over the special teams, freshman kicker, Tristan Alvano, the, uh, the, he of game winning state championship kick. He has been a absolute stud in camp so far. It sure seems like Nebraska has got a kicker. Well, that's and, good news. That is good news. And then punter, Brian Buschini, who was over from uh, um, Montana last year, did a good job last year. All right, moving so, in. So more adults in the room. More adults in the room and, yeah. and concentrating on special teams. That's great. All right, moving into the schedule. Um, not a tough schedule. Not an easy schedule. Well, okay. The non-conference okay. is somewhat favorable. But then when you look at who they get in their crossover games, Michigan, at Sparty, okay, not too bad. Maryland, it's it's not a horrible, but not a great crossover. Correct. I mean, Michigan, very tough crossover. Get them at home. Uh, and then, like you said, at Michigan State, Maryland. So, idle week, 
I would say a good spot, maybe a little bit deeper in in, yeah. in the season would be better, but right in the middle of October. So I was uh, 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 guessing on a different podcast and I was asked, you know, what were some of my favorite non-conference games? I cheated. Okay. And I, I used two for, for Nebraska. Somebody do it. That, I can't believe I haven't seen it on Twitter yet, but when's the last time a coach in his first year in a power five team has started out his uh, uh, career with two power five teams on the road. That has got to be one of the scarcest things, but that two game stretch right there is extremely interesting to me at Minnesota, at Colorado. I fully expect them to beat NIU and La Tech and I will be tough. Okay. And, and, and La Tech. Now, my expectations for that four game stretch to start is three and one. Okay. What say you for your expectations for those first four games? First four games. Yes. Three and one. I think. Yeah. Three okay. and one. Okay. Um, I've let it Which out. Which plays into. Yep. My biggest game. Okay. Absolutely. So now do, do I think four and oh is on the table? Absolutely. They can start four and oh. If they start four and oh. People, rival fan bases might want to put the Twitter app down right about the end of September because Nebraska fans will be going nuts. So that Minnesota game looms large. Michigan, that's tough. Now, that end of those two two games right there, Michigan at home at Illinois, that's tough, okay? So if you could sign up for 3-3 and right now as a Nebraska fan, I I think you take it. But if they can figure out a way to get to 4-2, and it would be absolutely incredible for Rule. Correct. Now, after the idle week, you think they're going to pick up a game win versus Northwestern. I know they lost to them last year. Purdue at Michigan State, Maryland. I mean, again, this is so interesting to me. I, I expect them to beat Northwestern. But as is the case, Purdue at Michigan State, Maryland, I could see – any one of those games going in any direction. Absolutely. I th- I think there you got four very winnable games in a row right there. And four very losable games. And four, yeah, yeah, fair. Okay. And and then and then, you know, well, not so much Northwestern. I expect them right, to beat not, Northwestern. Yeah. But if you really just wanted to finish it out, Purdue at Michigan State, Maryland at Wisconsin, Iowa. And this is what's crazy. I mean, it's rules first year, all but yet those games like that against two teams that are, you know, with uh, 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 Wisconsin and Iowa that you would think are going to be towards the top of the division, you still think there's a chance they could they could pull out a win or two versus some of those types of teams. That's what's going to be interesting. What do you have for scariest game? Okay, I could go either way on this. I've got NIU and Louisiana Tech because those are games they've been losing. Yeah. But you can't... Okay. N- no more nonsense. We have to win those games. Okay, so... I'm not going to fight you on that. I mean, obviously, they just lost one last year. I am of the belief that there is enough talent on this team that a good coach will make them play better. So, and being new, they're not going to overlook a team like NIU and and Louisiana Tech, okay? Now, for scariest game, I'm going Colorado, okay? Why? Because it's on the road. That's the Mm -hmm. second week in a row. Let's say you lose to Minnesota. If you lose to Colorado, they're hated, hated, hey, there's one black and gold team they hate more in Iowa. That is Colorado. If for some reason you just fell apart, it was a turnover game, you know, something like that, and they lose on the road to Colorado, all of that good 
Kool-Aid drinking that got done in the offseason will be gone. Matt Rule will be coaching with his hair on fire starting week three. So that is a that's a scary game. Don't think it's gonna happen. Okay. I think yep. they're gonna beat Colorado. And by yep. which is by the way, why I have curb stomp also Colorado. Okay. So I, I oh. love doing that. I love doing that. But even if you lose to Minnesota and you curb stomp Colorado, you feel great. If you beat Minnesota and you curb stomp Colorado, the world is going to be go- spinning red at that point. Okay, my curb stomp, I've got the Battle of NU. They blew it last year. They can't afford to do it this year. And I think they w- they will get it done this year. My biggest game, though, is Colorado. Okay. And here's why. So you're not in year one thinking about winning the West, really, right? So the to me, the Minnesota game, you're also not supposed to be winning. So, okay, you lose that game. To me, that's not a big deal. You mentioned how much they hate Colorado. Colorado, there are no adults in the room right now. That is a complete clown show of a program right now. So I can understand them losing the game, but you you really have to win that game. Okay. Yes. And I and I and and that's a that is a great synopsis of why it could be a big game. To me, it's it's I'm looking at the biggest game as a what could it mean at the time or what what could it then mean projecting forward? If they're fighting for a bowl game, sitting at about five wins when the Hawkeyes come into town on Black Friday, by far, that is the biggest game of the year. So it's either that or going all the way back to another West rival with Minnesota, the first game of the year. That is huge. And I get it. If they lose the game, it's not that big a deal. But if they win the game, it becomes a gigantic deal. All right. That gets us to the season total, six and a half. Okay. Nebraska's been in a bad place. This is a rebuild. It's going to take some time. So the first thing I want to see from them is competence. Six and a half is asking a lot out of this team year one. I just don't see that happening. I think they'll be much more competitive. I think the games will, for the most part, be very close. I just don't see them getting to seven wins. I Six is much more realistic than seven. I think five is probably more realistic than six. So I kind of really like the under here. I'm with you there. Um, my guess is the six and a half has popped up from Nebraska fans, <laughs> putting a lot of money's bunny down and getting excited. Um, I don't like a lot has been made of the one or two wins that Matt Rule has gotten at both uh, uh, Baylor and Temple. That's not what we have here. This is a completely different situation than what he walked into there. There's more talent. Like you have to think about this when you were at Temple and Baylor and how Baylor was at that time, when you're walking into those programs, you're at a group of five or lower talent level. Everybody on your schedule is a potential to get to, to, to get beat. When you're at Nebraska, you are now at the power five level. You should expect to to beat the lower level teams like uh, uh, Colorado, NIU, and La Tech for who they're playing. So this is not the same thing. With that being said, I'm going under, okay? I think it's a little bit higher than it should be. But when I say I'm going under, I ain't going much under, which might play into where I predict them for the season total, but but not quite ready to get up to that 7-8 win level. All right, that is our breakdown. Let's bring in our guy, Vegas, Jer. And I want to give a shout out to Jer. Treated me to a nice round of golf recently. It was an absolute blast. So let's hear what he has to say about the Cornhuskers. 
Hey, what's up, Eyes on Big? This is Vegas Jer here to give you the Nebraska preview. Just sitting here drinking Kool-Aid and basking in another off-season championship. Uh, 20 years in a row we've won the off-season, and we look forward to doing it again next year. We got new rules this year in Lincoln. Number one rule, we value special teams. Number two rule, we don't lose one-score games. I see us going seven and five. One little caveat, if we beat the Gophers week one, buckle up. We're heading to the Rose Bowl. I'm really looking forward to seeing our new quarterback, Jeff Sims. I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the West this year. Um, I think he's got the potential to lead us and uh, really get us going off on a good start here against the Gophers. A little worried about our offensive defensive line, but it'll be interesting to see how Rule does that. So uh, really excited for the year. Love eyes on big. Uh, listen to him every week and can't wait to see the season this year. Go Big Red. All right, that brings us into the last team of the podcast, the 2023 Indiana Hoosiers. Shout out to my guy, Alex Davis, John Alden, Hoosier Huddle, a lot of good people you can follow on Twitter. Last five years, 25 and 32, 44% good for 10th of the Big Ten, maybe a little bit better than some people expect. Last year, 4 and 8. Then they fought for that 4 and 8. Coach Tom Allen coming into his Seventh year, as we call him, Crazy Tom Allen. Offensive coordinator, Walt Bell. Many Indiana fans happy to see a different coordinator come in. Defensive coordinator, Chad Wilt is back. We also got Matt Max Guerreri that is going to try to help out uh, Tom Allen in this defense. What are we thinking about our Hoosiers? Well, to me, this might be my most interesting team in the Big Ten. Hmm. Okay. Half of me says... This is the Tommy Allen farewell tour. It's just check the box, get him out of there, get somebody else in there. And this is definitely a mark of desperation. But they've got a huge transfer class that's coming in. 22 transfers. Okay. And I've heard as high as 23. It might be more. Who knows? They might have added one just now. Right. Right. Uh, (laughs) But they have the 17th ranked transfer class and these guys are from big schools with nice really nice transfer rankings we have no idea what this team's going to look like yeah yeah it's I really it's, don't i mean no, no, I don't taven, think ja- taven jackson right. taven jackson for instance he's a top 200 quarterback and behind him you got dexter williams who kind of flashed here and there i mean yeah. i think taven's the guy but they want taven to be the guy in from tennessee Still a freshman, still a freshman, and but what there's no de- no denying the guy's talent. I mean, and this gets him gets you right into the feast or fi- famine feel. Absolutely, and and it's it's just like you know, Penix was committed initially to Tennessee, so they're doing the the Tennessee thing all over again. And it, it they obviously uh, knew their uh, uh, quarterback talent. Tommy Allen did. And what he wants to do when they had the Penix, because the Penix was long and strong when he was at Indiana. Okay. Can Jackson be that guy? I, I, you said before that, you know, they're that like Nebraska is pinning everything on Sims. I would say even more is pinned on Jackson because I don't think a lot of people thought Dexter Williams and he's still coming back from injury. I believe I don't think a lot of people thought he was as yeah. good as they hoped he would be. It's pretty much Fair. Taven Jackson as but or bust. But I got to say, like, I am intrigued by this guy's talent. And and if I am a uh, if I'm a Michigan State, if I'm, you know, some uh, uh, Illinois um, Rutgers, like some of the teams that 
want this to be a win, okay, this Indiana Hoosiers team to be a win, I don't like the team in Jackson pickup because they suddenly got a little bit more dangerous. Fair enough? Absolutely, man. Okay. Yeah. Switching over to the running backs. Okay. These aren't bad running backs here, okay? Josh Henderson has shown flashes of being certainly above average. Keep your eyes out for Christian Turner. That is Mm -hmm. a guy that Hoosier fans, I think, are good. But it all comes down to our guy, Jalen Lucas, in that Percy Harvin role. You slide Mm -hmm. him into the backfield to run the ball. You you put him in the slot. This is one of the best-kept secrets in all of the country. Jalen Lucas is an absolute lightning bolt. Yeah, absolute speedster and just devastating in the return game too. This this is this is their their gadget. This is their toy. He is their now. gadget. Um, shout out to Percy Harvin because he every time somebody has a role like that, you get you get compared to Percy Harvin. But that's what he he can be. Um, and he's definitely going to be a weapon in special teams. So I think the running backs are good if they have got the ability to work behind an offensive line that has been abysmal okay it it has been a bad offensive line in comes from wisconsin bob bostat can he i mean essentially fix right we are looking for this to get fixed in a hurry if tom allen is literally going to keep his job bob bostat has to be the guy one of when tommy looks back if this doesn't work out that may be the single one thing that he regrets the most is waiting this long to make a change like this because it I mean, clearly, this has been the worst offensive line, right? That we've seen. Athlon has Athlon has them 14th in the Big Ten. I think I'm just saying, like last handful of years, they've just been horrible, atrocious. Even when they've had pretty good teams, they haven't been very good. Yep. And let's be honest, we can throw names out there, and Indiana fans might. It is going like it is going to be an absolute hodgepodge on who this is going to be and how it's going to. Uh, develop for the names on the starting offensive line. I don't think Hoosier fans care. It's got to look average. And I will say, if this offensive line is average, I think there's stuff here to work with, you know, and then moving into the to the receivers. Cam Camper, solid receiver, okay? I feel like Donovan McCauley's a guy that we've brought up, can flash with stats. Uh, Jalen Lucas, obviously, we you know, we've already kind of talked to him. And then watch out for EJ Williams, like, Maybe not yeah. the deepest, most available wide receivers that you have out there, but if given the chance to make plays, I think they can. And then all name team Dequise Carter from Fordham transfer. Awesome. Um, tight end. Uh um, we got James Bumba and Aaron Steinfeld. So tight ends that that um have been around for a little while, haven't exactly been weapons, but again, I think there's enough here in the skill position that if the quarterback and offensive line takes a big step up. They definitely got a chance. All right. Uh, the defense. All right. And this is Tommy Allen's calling card. So it's a four, two, five. I mean, essentially, this is the defense of misfit toys right here. Right. I mean, it's people pulled in all over the place. It got to the point where I, 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 I'm starting to look through their, their, their uh, personnel. And I put the school they came from in parentheses. Yeah. I, I started putting guys that were actually from Indiana in parentheses because like you, I, I'm so lost on maybe, you know, maybe you're playing uh, a defense for the uh, um, Hoosiers this year. This, this is going to be crazy sure. to see how this all pulls together. So by the way, they returned three guys from last year's team and then they add in the bevy of transfers. Andre Carter, 
from Western Michigan, Marcus Burris from Texas A&M, Philip Bleedy, there's a all-name team guy right yep. there from Texas Tech, Anthony Jones from Oregon, Trey Lang from Southern. My goodness, you're, you're hitting. Them. I think this could actually be a pretty spicy D line. Well, it that is what I mean. If you ask, I guarantee you, if you ask Tom Allen, he would say, "Listen, MFR with the big teeth." You know, he, yep. he he would get he would get excited, and he's like, "I know defense. I know how to coach defense. I need the dudes to make my defense look like how I wanted to look." I don't think he thought. He had the ponies to make it work last year. So he did everything yeah. he possibly could and scoured whatever he needed to with, to bring in guys. And let me make it clear. This, this team is chicken wire. It's twisty ties. Yeah. It, it's bubble gum. duct tape, yeah. some bubble gum, a little bit here and there, but it just may be crazy enough to work. And, and what I, what could it be? It could it be solid. Okay. I, that, but that's not the feeling I'm getting. I'm getting a feast or famine feel from this, where I, I feel like it could like it seems oh, like yeah. a it seems like a bunch of pass rushers and and penetrators that they want on the defensive line. I I don't know if I see like you know stodgy stalwart run stoppers. That's what makes me nervous about mm. this defense. Okay, that's a good that point. Fair? Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. And then another another transfer, Kobe Miner in from Texas Tech. Jameer Johnson in from Texas. We do have Husky Noah Pierre. Noah Pierre, he's a super senior. He's been there for a while. The safeties, Jeff, uh, or excuse me, Josh Sanganetti, Bryson Bonds, not ga- guys that actually you know jump off the the sheet, but guys that have been there for a while. Can they be some sort of you know calmness sem- uh, in the in the secondary? It's got to happen quick. Yeah, four starters gone from that secondary. By the way, I think you might have skipped over one. Did you mention? Nick, it's not a tumor from Stanford. <laughs> I did not. We got another. We got another transfer. Oof. Yeah, I mean, this is just going to be interesting. And, and by the way, and, and well, unless you want to do special teams real quick, but spe- special no, teams go, are go special teams are a question. I mean, essentially, that's what you the, the feedback you get. Kicker punter, it, it, it's going to be kind of an open process here. Yeah, you lose Soup Campbell, so new place kicker. Place kicker uh, James Evans is back as the punter, but. We haven't seen a lot out of their special teams. I mean, they got Jalen Lucas returning kicks. There you go. That's your special teams uh, thing. To, so then you take that defense that we just talked about, which has got a hundred different new pieces moving around. You know, it's the best time in all honesty to get Ohio state. And I think we said it before first game of the year, right? Just get them out of the way. Just get it out of the way. <laughs> like who's your fans. I'm sorry. We got to try to take a realistic point, but like I would be excited about playing Indiana first just to be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. Ohio State, yeah. Or, I, I agree. Ohio yeah. State first. Okay, so then after that happens, and I mean, what is the over-under set for Marvin Harrison receiving yards in that game right now? Oh, like, Lord. In that like, game. the only thing that would hurt is I, like... Go ahead. Maybe a better question over-under for his... How far into the game he plays his last play? Yeah, two... I mean, I'm Does not going he, over two and a half quarters. Oh, I, I would... I, I don't think he takes the field after halftime. Probably not, and... Maybe you surprise us, Indiana. Maybe maybe Crazy Tommy's got all kinds of you know. Uh, 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 and I'll tell you what I would do if I was Tommy Allen. I'm I'm hearing the reports about a young quarterback and offensive tackles. I'm just blitzing every single play, every single play. Yeah. Do the Wink Martindale approach and just send them. Maybe send them every play. All right. Then after that, we've got Indiana State. Don't love it. Don't love that game. Fourth game, we got Akron Zips. That third game, dude. How like this has been. 
under the radar, Louisville. Who's the coach? Louisville. Jeff Brom. Wow, yeah. Of, fa- of, of, of former Purdue, Indiana, you know, rivalry. A nice little storyline, you know, for the Hoosiers' third game of the year. And people think Louisville sure. is going to be better. They get their idle week. <laughs> Decent first week in October. After their idle week, Michigan Whew. I mean, you look at, I mean, dude, this stretch here. I mean, this is 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 tough for them too. So after Michigan, they get Rutgers. Okay. We we are at the point here where we need wins. Okay. So you hope Rutgers happens, but then Penn State at Penn State, Wisconsin, at Illinois, Michigan State, at Purdue with your rival, like a little bit easier to lighten up, but boy, there are there are pitfalls all over the place for this Hoosier team. Well, and when you just look at the crossover games, you get Wisconsin, which of course you don't want. Nobody really wants to play Illinois either. But then the other one is Purdue, your rival. This is it's, it's kind of a road. brutal, brutal crossover schedule for them. I, I, I would say it's a sneaky brutal, or maybe it's just flat out brutal. There's nothing much sneaky about it. Um, so for scariest game of the of the year, what do you got? So I went with, and I could have put this in a number of categories. I went with Louisville because you, if they get blown out by Louisville, that's that's the only thing you can't have happen. Okay. But I think that could happen if they get blown out by Louisville. Wheels are off the wagon. This is a just a disastrous season. That's a good choice. Definitely looked at Louisville for that game. I, I actually went with Rutgers. Um, you you play Rutgers in between Michigan and at Penn State. You're kind of right. You're kind of looking at that as we need to win this game. I I don't think Rutgers is going to be a pushover. Certainly not for Indiana. You don't win that game. Now you're looking down the barrel of an October November where you know you, you might not pick up another win. So for curb stomp, I just went easy on this. Akron Zips. I don't know what's going to happen after that Louisville game, but you got to blow out the Zips. That's 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 the one thing you definitely got to do. This is more wishful thinking of me. I went with Rutgers, but now I'm looking squeezed between Penn State and Michigan. I don't feel great about it, but that's your one chance to do something really big in the second half conference. of the season. Yeah. Well, yeah. in conference, just right. to, in general. to make it. So I'm going with Rutgers. For the biggest game, I, I actually went Louisville um, because, I mean, I they're, they're you know, they're not going to beat Ohio State. Okay. Then I, I believe they'll be like, there's like a 97% lock that Indiana is one in one to start the year. You can get some momentum going if you beat Louisville. I mean, this is a team that, you know, yep. a lot of people are picking in the top third of, of the ACC. Louisville's got a favorable schedule too. So if you can beat Louisville, then suddenly you feel really good about being three and one heading into Maryland, looking at it as now a winnable game. So Louisville to me is the potential to be the launching point, but also I get what you're coming from where it's the potential to be the jumping off the cliff point if they, if they get beat. So I, I, I don't disagree with what you have there. Season total sitting at four. What do you think? Hold on, I got the, I got still got to do my biggest. Oh, game. I'm sorry, sorry. My biggest game. So you let's say you overachieve, get to the last game of the year, and you've got five wins. You're trying to get to a bowl game. You're you playing Purdue. Let's say it's a disaster of a season. Everything went wrong. Whatever. If we can just beat Purdue okay. and beat our rival, yeah, and then and then at, there's yeah. so much hatred there that it, even if things go so bad and mm. they just Okay, fine. You know, we had to move on from Tommy, but at least we beat those bastards upstate in the last game. So I'm going with Purdue. That is an excellent point. And do you know what you just uh what you just gave me a thought in my head? 
if that's the case, and let's say they're on a you know four game losing streak going into Purdue, don't you fire Tommy Allen before that game because you don't want him to get fan you know sympathy if they beat Purdue? Could Great be something point. that you see. All right, last thing is the total uh, season total, which is sitting at four appropriately. It's another tough one. I mean, Vegas is good at this. So, you know, real quick. Okay. Indiana State, Akron. All right. I expect those wins. That That's yep. two. It's just that it gets really tough after that on, on what wins I expect. Uh, and by the way, I don't fully expect them to beat Akron. I think they will. Okay. But this isn't a super confident situation. So I got to pick up three more wins to go over. Don't see it. So I got to go under. I'm going under as well. When when it's a whole number like that sitting at four, what's more likely five or three. And to me, it's pretty easily more likely they get three. Yeah. And I would say it's, I just feel less, it's just very hard for me to see five. However, I mean, four is right on it. Okay. Three and a oh, half. Absolutely. Three, yeah. Four is, is, is right at it, but three and a half would, if, if it's going to move one way or the other, three and a half would, would be where you'd put it. I would probably still go under there to be honest with you, but, but you know, four starts looking like a lot more realistic. All right. That is your 2023 Indiana Hoosiers up to give us the fan perspective is our guy Hoosier Al. What's up, eyes on big? Hey, Jeff and Kurt, thanks for asking me for a quick prediction on my Indiana Hoosier football team for the 2023 season. Uh, while I feel things won't go quite as well as I'd like them to do this year for my Hoosiers, uh, Tom Allen continues to do a pretty good job of adding solid coaches to his staff. Bob Bostad is, is as good of an offensive line coach, in my opinion, as Indiana's ever had. He's a proven developer and coach of offensive linemen, and I really, uh, I'm really hoping the offensive line can develop and improve as the year goes on. You know, with today, with news of Dexter Williams possibly being a little bit ahead of schedule, and how Williams and I use running backs play behind a subpar offensive line without Matthew Bedford, um, I may be a little bit more optimistic than some people think I should be, um, but. As it is, if Williams can't go, um, it'll either be Tavian Jackson or Brendan Sorsby. Um, and, and I still remain cautiously optimistic about that offense. Defensively, I'm a little concerned with the secondary. Uh, week one will be rough one for us uh, against Ohio State. With that, that being said, our pass rush will be all right. Um, and our best player is Aaron Casey, who will likely lead us in tackles. In the end, um, it'll be about time of possession, turnovers, and third down conversions. I'm going to say IU will finish between four and eight and six and six. I'm leaning four and eight because overall lack of experience with this team. That being said, Jalen Lucas uh, can do special things in the open field. And uh, on any given Saturday, anything can happen. Go IU. All right. That gives us. The last four teams of this podcast, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan State, Nebraska, Indiana. Um, anything you want to add right now, Big Kurt? No, but we're already we're, pretty we're, deep into these, man. We're getting yeah, close. We're, we're, we're chugging close. Next one up will be another fun one. That'll be Penn State, Iowa, 
Minnesota and Rutgers with, of course, Purdue and Michigan, the Big Ten representatives, the last one of the uh, season before the big season prediction. All right. Anything else to add or should we get out of here? No, sir. I am yep. Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.